Good morning. Happy Sabbath to everybody. I'm just going to slide over here. I think it'll be a little better for me. Okay. So let's just bow our head for a word of prayer, please. I did get a chance to talk to uh, uh, Paul, Paul's home, which is nice to hear his voice. So he said he, it might be about three weeks before he comes back. He just needs a little time to get his strength back. I talked to Jeff. He sounds great. Actually, he sounds like just his old self. In fact, I would have gladly gave him my spot here today because I know we're all desperately want to see him back to see some sense of normalcy. But uh, Alina just came home, and she's definitely needs some help, so... He needs to be there to take care of Alina. So that's what's going on. So, man, is it nice to see everybody here today. <laughs> it really is. Nice to see everybody. See people, a lot of faces here I haven't seen before. You know, when I think of what would be the best word to describe evil, it's the word satanic. Can you think of a better word to describe evil than satanic? I think that's it. It definitely uh, depicts, obviously, the originator of sin, Satan himself. And what makes a thing satanic so satanic, and what makes Lucifer's deception so deceptive, is that he has the ability uh, in a very unique way of blending truth with error. And, and because he uses truth mixed with error, it makes it very plausible. And for that reason, people are they give in to it, and of course it usually always ends very badly for them. And, of course, we all remember the story of our first mother, Eve, in the garden, as you all know the story, how uh, Satan came to Eve uh, talking as through a medium as a snake, as we know snakes didn't talk, and they didn't talk in the garden of Eden either. But uh, Satan used a snake as a medium as part of deceptiveness. And you can remember that God had said something to Adam and Eve. He said, And the Lord God commanded um, man saying of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die so of all the gardens you know in the, in the garden Eden, there was plenty of fruits and vegetables and all kinds of things for them to eat but there was this one tree and this tree was known as the tree of knowledge of good and evil and as you know Satan came to Eve and uh, he, of course, he says unto the, uh, uh, Satan said unto Eve, uh, and then Eve replied, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And serpent, Satan, said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. 
Did I get the wrong down there? Thank you. But nonetheless, that's the biblical verse. Amen. Thank you. So you can see very clearly how Satan has mixed truth with error. First of all, uh, God says that in the day that you would eat of it, that you would die. Did Eve die that day? No. So Satan took a partial truth that God said that you will die, and he, she didn't die. But did she die? Obviously. Not that day, but later. So it was very deceptive, very clever deception of Satan. But that wasn't the only deception. God does know that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, or you'll become aware, and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. Did Eve know of evil before she partook of the tree? No, because the tree was the knowledge of good and evil. And you would have had to partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil to know what evil was. And it was very deceptive. Did God know of evil? Of course he did. There was a war in heaven. Satan and his angels fought and they were cast out. So here Satan used another truth to deceive Eve. But of course that truth also caused their demise and caused all that we see in the world today. All through Satan's very deceptiveness. Well, I have something that I'd like to tell you that I'm very worried about. That many Christians have bought another lie of Satan. And they have taken the bait. And this lie is mixed also with partial truth, but also has partial error. And I'm afraid that it will lead many, if not millions, to destruction over a lie that he has taught. And it is taught, believe it or not, not only all the different lies that Satan has in the world... But this lies is specifically is specifically at God's church, at the Christian church. You see, many Christians believe that faith is nothing more than a mindset of believing in Jesus to be saved. And that's it. These Christians will tell you that they're saved solely on their belief and that what Jesus did on the cross, and they cry out, I am saved, I am saved, solely on their belief that what Jesus did on the cross saved them. You see, these Christians that believe that just believing in Jesus to be saved, and they will tell you that your works and your actions have nothing to do with faith or salvation. They will tell you that there's nothing that you can do to be saved. Just believe is all that you need to do. Now, in all of this, there's partial truth and there's partial error. To them, good works is always something that we should stay away from when it comes to salvation. They will say, I'm saved by what Christ did, and that's all there is to it. I'm saved by Christ. By just believing. And this lie has all the, hallmark, all the hallmarks of Satan because it's a mixture of truth and error. And if we don't have this right, it actually can put us in a situation like Eve and be totally lost if we buy into something that's not true. Now, do we have to believe in Jesus to be saved? Of course we do. The Bible's very clear. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that's whoever what? Believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the Bible goes on to say, He that believeth on him is not condemned. That he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has, does not believe on the name of the only begotten Son of God. So believing is very important, and it's a very important part of faith. Uh, when we accept Jesus Christ's death on the cross and what he did for us, we accept that by believing, Right? The Apostle Paul also goes on to say, that By grace are you saved through what? Through faith. And it's not of yourself, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man shall boast. Now there's no question about that, brothers. There's nothing that we can do to earn salvation. 
And in all of this, Satan gets everything all jumbled up and all confused, and we just, we're just not sure what's the facts. But it is true about one thing, that faith does include believing that you must believe in, in God and what he did on the cross. So the question is, then, how has Satan twisted the truth of believing by faith into a satanic lie? The lie is that faith is just a mindset of believing apart from good works or actions. The lie is just believing in Jesus to be saved was something that, it was something actually that the Apostle Paul, Apostle James had, was dealing with even in the days when the church was early formed. And James made a big issue about this. And, and there was this mindset of these believers that were believing in Christ that all they had to do is believe by faith in Christ. And James was trying to correct their understanding. And when you go to James chapter 2.14, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him alone? So this is a salvation issue. Paul is saying, listen, can just faith save you alone? So as you can see, we're talking about faith. James is making an important point. Can faith save you apart from works? James goes on to tell us, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be you warmed and filled, notwithstanding you did not give them those things that which are needful for the body, what did it profit? Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. So here at Apostle James make it clear that faith is not just the act of believing any more than the act of just believing somebody needs food and clothing and you do nothing, okay? So obviously they go together. James goes on to say, Yes, a man may say you have faith, which is believing only, and I have works. Um, show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Now there's a lot in that. And we'll come back to that in just a minute. But James goes on to say that to just believe in God alone is not enough. I hope that's clear. I mean, James has definitely made that clear. So just believing is not enough. Just believing somebody needs food and clothing is not enough. There's something much more. James chapter uh, 2 and verses uh, 19, it says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devil also believe in God in trouble. Trouble. But wilt thou know, O man, man, vain man, that faith without works is dead? So here, James is definitely bringing into the equation that these people just believe. Okay? So he's making it very clearly that this faith that these people have, that thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. Okay? But that's not just not going to be enough. The devil also believes, and obviously he was not saved. So I hope you can see this is a salvation issue. The issue is, is believing enough? And, of course, James says it's not. Let's go on to James chapter 2 and verse 21. And James goes on to give us an example. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Ooh, justified by works. So I'm sure the theologians are going to be raised up in arms about that one. But don't misinterpret that. We'll come back to that in a minute. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered his son Isaac upon the altar? See then how faith, believing, wrought, was manifested by his works, and not by his works, and by, and by his works was faith made perfect. And then we go on to say, And the scriptures was fulfilled, 
which says Abraham believed God, and he did that through his works. And it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by Abraham's works a man is justified, and not by faith, just believing only? For as the body without the spirit, which is the breath, is dead, so without works uh, a man is dead also. So really, if you think about it, when you go back to what James said in, in James chapter 2, 18, it really sums up everything. I will show you my faith, my believing, by my works. I hope that clears some things up. You see, James is making it clear that it's by your works that show that you're justified. It's by your works that show that you're righteous. It's not by your works you become righteous. It's not by your works you become justified. It's only by your works that show that you are righteous, that you are just, you are justified. And I hope that makes sense. And the Bible makes this very clear. And it's very interesting how Satan has muddied the waters and all this. And to a point when we think, oh, we just believe we don't do anything else. Don't fall for that. I mean, this was an issue in James' time in the very early of the church. This is the reason why it's given it to us in the Bible. We need to, we need to understand that. We got to realize that this is a deception. Even the Bible tells us about Abel. Uh, that his works were a witness that he was righteous. Let's look at that. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness or shown that he was righteous. So it's again, you can see that it's by your works that showed that he was righteous. Nobody's try- Abel wasn't trying to earn to be righteous by his works. And there's a big difference. And it's a, it's a shame to me, and it's amazingly, to me that in Christian dome, that if you try to do things good, somehow you're trying to earn your salvation. No, I'm not going to say there weren't people in the Old Testament. Of course, the Jews did try to do that, apart from Christ. But the Christian church is now, because of all this, is all muddied waters and people are all confused on what it is. I like what the Spirit of Prophecy tells us. Faith is essential, but genuine faith will enable the possessor to bring forth the fruits of the Spirit. Amen? So, again, those that are connected with the Spirit will have good fruits, and they will show it in what they do, in their actions, and their works. And it's just amazing how Satan has so perverted the truth that even if there's another place in the Bible that Jesus even condemned this teaching of just believing only. And I maybe it's, I'm so sensitive by this because... I was kind of raised a Methodist, but I really was raised a Baptist. And this was really just ingrained in us that all we have to do to be saved is just believe. And I, and it, it's sad to me that it's just, most of all Christians, John, that's what they believe, that all you have to do is just believe. Now, in the Bible, Jesus said there was a group of people called the Nicolaitans. And Jesus said he hated the doctrines of the teaching of the Nicolaitans. There's very few times that Jesus ever said he hated anything. Now, the Bible really doesn't go into detail of what the teachings of the Nicolaitans was. But the Spirit of Prophecy tells us exactly what the teaching of the Nicolaitans are. And we're going to look at that now. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which Christ so unsparingly condemned, which Jesus said, I also hate, they declared we have only to believe on Jesus Christ and that faith is all sufficient. That the righteousness of Christ is to be the sinner's only credential. 
that this imputed righteousness fulfills the law for us and that we are under no obligation to obey the law of God. This class claimed that Christ came to save sinners and that he has saved them. I am saved, they will repeat over and over again. But are they saved while transgressing the law of Jehovah? No. For the garments of Christ's righteousness are not a cloak for iniquity. Such teaching is a gross deception. And that's my point. This teaching is a deception of satanic order. And Christ becomes to the to these persons a stumbling block as he did to the Jews. To the Jews because they would not receive him as their personal savior. And to these professed believers in Christ because they separate Christ and the law and regard faith as a substitute for obedience. Amen? It kind of puts a different perspective on um, on the whole subject of faith. And I hate to say it, it's even crept into Adventism. Now, I don't know if it's crept into Adventism because many people like me who have come from other churches have come into the church and we've been so indoctrinated. This is such an ingrained teaching in our minds that it, it comes out even in the church. Well, there's even a, a theologians that have spoken up in the Adventist church who are teaching the very same teaching as the Nicolaitans. In fact... I'm going to show you this. This was found in a magazine called Spectrum Magazine. It's one of our magazines. It's a very liberal magazine. I don't recommend reading it. But in this magazine, uh, there was a man called Desmond Ford. Now, Desmond Ford was a theologian. He was a theologian out of Australia. And he became a very popular speaker in Adventism. He was invited to speak all over the place. He wrote books. And he's, if you go on YouTube, you can hear, hear him speak. I advise you don't do it. Because uh, it can just possibly get you confused. But it became such a hot issue because Desmond Ford had all kinds of teeth. You know, he believed everything was done on the cross. He, what, he didn't believe in investigative judgment. He poo-pooed the spirit of prophecy. I can go on and on. But there was one thing that he taught, and that was this teaching of the Nicolaitans. And I'm going to show you that now. So Desmond Ford's belief is that salvation, and this is what is written in the article. This is not my writing, Okay. Desmond Ford's belief is that salvation is based on righteousness through justification alone. And sanctification is not part of righteousness by faith. And this is what, what, we're, what it's really uh, gets down to. So they actually questioned Desmond Ford. And this is the question they asked him this in this committee. Now, there was a lot of things asked him, okay? So I'm only showing you one thing that deals with this subject. So the question is, what do you see as the most important work you have accomplished in your life so far. Answer, my emphasis on the New Testament gospel, justification by faith, has been the most important thing in my life. Now listen to this. Seventh-day Adventists have traditionally taught for over one and a half centuries that righteous by faith is justification plus sanctification. And to that I say, amen. That is the truth. But he goes on to say that New Testament scholars know that this to be wrong. Righteous by faith is in the New Testament always refers to justification only. And then he goes on to say, we have to believe in the finished work of Christ on the cross alone. So it's, even this deception has crept into Adventism. And you might hear it sometime, maybe expressed through uh, the Sabbath school studies, I don't know. But uh, you got to be careful because there's different people who put into the Sabbath school 
studies, and you might, and we know that in the past there has error has crept in. Is that right, Sabbath school teachers? Error has crept in. So again, we're talking about faith here. So we know that faith is believing. So let's just examine a little bit more about what faith is. Okay, let's break down faith a little farther. We already know what the Apostle Paul has two things to say about uh, that are included in faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is God and a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So is belief in faith? Absolutely. But we need to come to God and we also need to believe that he is a rewarder of them that what? Just casually come to him? No, we need to diligently come to him. So faith includes this. Belief in God, that he is God. And we also must come to God believing that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But what is the reward that Paul is talking about when it is when we diligently seek him? The Apostle Paul tells us what this reward is in Hebrews uh, 11, 1. And that is this. Now, faith is the substance. Again, we're talking about faith. Now, substance is the things that are what? Hope for the evidence of not things. So the reward is what we are hoping for. And I'm going to show you this, but before I get there, so faith includes three things. There is something that we're hoping for. We must come to God for what we are hoping for. And we must believe that God is God, and he is a rewarder of all of them that diligently seek him. And you will find that these three components are in every faith story that you find in the Bible. Every one of them, you will find it. And I'm going to show you one right now. Now, here's the story of these blind men in the book of Matthew. Of course, these blind men come to Jesus. So, and when Jesus departed hence, two blind men followed him, crying, saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he, Jesus, had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe you that I'm able to do this? And they said unto him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, according to your faith, be it unto you, and their eyes were opened. So let's see if we can see all three components of faith. What were they hoping for? To see again, right? Did they diligently seek him? Oh, they did. Did they come to Jesus? Yes. And did they, did they show faith in, in, in Jesus as well? And of course they did. So they had all three components of faith. And again, you will find this in every faith story in the Bible, these three components. So believing is part of faith, but it's not the only part of faith. We need to diligently see God. And there needs to be something that we're hoping for. Maybe that hoping for is victory over sin. Maybe it's victory over pornography, over alcohol, over smoking, whatever it may be. But God can give you the victory if you come to him in faith. So let's look at another faith story. Let's look at the faith story and, and well, of Peter walking on water. And let's see if you can recognize all three components of faith again. And in the fourth watch in the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out in fear. But straightway Jesus spake of them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto the water. And he said, Come. And Peter was Peter uh, was come down out of the ship, and he walked on water. 
So let me ask you something. What was Peter hoping for? But he wanted to walk on water. Okay? Now, Jesus was already there, but we could say he did come to Jesus because he was. And did he believe that Jesus can do this for him? Absolutely. Or he wouldn't even have bothered to step out of the boat, right? And Jesus told him, and so Jesus granted him according to his, to his faith. Now, there's something that also happened in the story, and we all know it. Then Peter actually removed one of the components of faith. And we're going to see what happened. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, Thou a little faith, because he had faith and now he doesn't have it. Wherefore did you what? So did he still believe? No. So one of the components of the faith he lost, and of course he sank. But by God's strong arm, he came down and saved him nonetheless. Amen. So there's a lesson there for us. When we, when we come to God, we, we cannot come to him doubting. We must come to him believing that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. And we need to come to him and we need to believe that he is God and he is a rewarder of them um, that dil- diligently seek him. And will give you what you can't, what, what it is you're looking for, even victory over sin. So, we need to just exercise faith in him. Now, uh, the Bible says, now to him, Jesus, who is able to do exceedingly abundant all that we ask or think, or think, according to the power that works in us. If thou can believe, all things are possible to him to believe. So if we just diligently seek him, and come to him, Jesus has promised that he will he will not cast out he will no wise um, he will no wise turn away any of those who come to him. Him that cometh to me, I will no wise cast out. And he is a diligent seeker of all those who diligently seek him. So, brothers and sisters, uh, the just shall live by faith. Amen. Now. Uh, it's very. Do you feel that you are sinking beneath the waves of sin and doubt? Stop doubting and start believing. Give it a shot. And God, who is mighty to save, come to him diligently, and he will give you what you're hoping for. For he is a rewarder of all who diligently seek him, and his mighty arms are reaching out to you even now. Do you believe that? And then come and join those that are living by faith, and be happy forevermore, for the just shall live by faith. So if you don't mind, let's just have a closing word of prayer. It's kind of a short sermon. But I think it, it says enough. I don't think we need to beat it to death. And, uh, but it's important that we're not deceived by Lucifer in these things. So let's just bow our head for prayer. I'll stay here because of the mic. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the lessons that James has taught us. Thank you for telling us through the spirit of prophecy what the doctrine of the Nicolaitans is. Thank you through your scriptures to break down what faith is. And how we can approach you if we just diligently seek you, hoping that whatever it is that we're hoping for, as long as it's according to your will, that you are the rewarder of all those who come to you, if we just believe. And Lord, we do come to you right now, and we come to you with any issues or sins that are being in our life, and we trust you. We give these to you. We believe that you are the rewarder. You will give us victory over these sins. We believe that you are God and that you do have the power to do these things. And we will not come to you doubting. We will not doubt as Peter did. We will continue to believe in you. And then we will see 
that uh, you will give us the victory. Not that we gave ourselves the victory, but you gave us the victory through your power. And no, no, it's not any power of ourselves. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Let us not be deceived by Satan's delusive lies of mixing truth and error. Let us diligently divide the word, Lord, and we can only do that by your spirit. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, Lord, that makes all these things possible. Amen.